don't compete with people who are right next to you. Always remember to look at the bigger picture and what do you want to achieve in dancing. Welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where you will experience the captivating world of professional ballet. On this show, you will hear what it takes to make it in the exclusive world. Each guest will share with you their struggles, their I've made it moments, and their advice for success. And ultimately, you will learn what it is really like to live your dream. Join your host, Kimberly Falker, and today's inspiring guests as they take you on a behind-the-scenes journey into ballet. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast. My name is Kimberly Falker, and I am your host. And today's guest is Ksenia Oksanik, who is a soloist with the English National Ballet. And be sure to listen all the way through because she provides some really great insight as to how to approach uh, auditions and advice for aspiring dancers on how to approach dance as a whole, if that's what you're looking to do. But either way, she's got a great story, a great journey in ballet, and thanks for tuning in. Let's go ahead and start with your journey. And I know that you're from Russia, but go ahead and give a little bit of the background um, as to where you grew up and where you trained. And then I know that you moved to England when you were quite young, too. So I guess tell a little bit about where you came from and then how you wound up with English National Ballet. And we'll, we'll go from there. Well, uh, I started dancing in Belarus, which is where I was growing up. I always loved dancing as a kid. Just I remember going to the different, um, not ballet related, but different dance groups, different styles. Like always been involved in some um, performing. Um, so eventually, it became my dream to become a ballet dancer. Pr- probably since the first performance of ballet that I've seen. And uh, in uh, Minsk, we have a ballet school, and uh, that kind of seemed to be my aim to audition there, which I did at the age of nine. And I started training there. Uh, Along the way, kind of to see more of the world and to see what's out there in the ballet world, I started going to the different competitions, um, ballet competitions. And one of them was uh, Prix de Lausanne in Switzerland. Um, the main, which the main point of is to get certain scholarships to go and study somewhere abroad. And I remember going there and actually dreaming to get a scholarship to study in London. Uh, I didn't pass the first round straight away. I was, uh, taken out. <laughs> How old were you at the time? Do you remember? I was, uh, I just turned 15, but, uh, the they had a very good system of even if you didn't go past the rounds, they still did certain classes in front of the audience where directors of the schools came and watched. And uh, if they liked somebody, they would they could offer certain scholarships. And which is actually how I got the scholarship for English National Ballet School in the end. So you, when you did not make it for, past the first round, do you remember thinking to yourself that that was it, you were done? Or do you remember your thoughts? Uh, I remember being completely devastated. I didn't think that I was done because even a lot in school beforehand, like six years in the school that I spent, it wasn't easy. There's many times I was told that I'm not going to be a dancer or I had a very athletic shape. I, I did some acrobatics before I started ballet, so I had quite muscly body. So is that why they said they didn't think that you were meant to be a dancer? 
Yeah, in with the Russian training, I didn't seem to fit in. So I was always they would always be telling me I'm never going to do Swan Lake or I'm not going to get be a dancer and. And do you remember um, when you were told that, thinking to yourself, I'm going to prove them wrong? Or do you remember feeling, oh, maybe they're right? Uh, I definitely didn't have, have the feeling that they are right. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it wasn't even trying to prove them wrong. It was more trying to prove myself that I can do it. Mm. And at the time when you were training, were you away from home or did you commute to classes? Uh, I commute. Well, uh, we had uh, uh, the ballet school in Belarus was that it had all the ballet and academic studies all in one building. Okay. Uh, So it was whole day in there, basically. Didn't have to travel in between, but I still lived at home, yes. And do you remember, like, during that stage of time, did your mother or did your family kind of prove as a support to help um, promote you into ballet or not give up? Uh, My mom was a huge support. Well, my whole family, but she specifically, she never pushed me into ballet. She kind of just let me make my own choices. Right. Um, But uh, I think very cleverly she would always... Whenever I was going down, like uh, maybe mentally or, you know, just getting uh, frustrated, she would always find certain very good teachers to me to work privately. Or she found this summer school in St. Petersburg where we went to in summer. And um, uh, it was it was great because it was just seeing different dancers, young dancers, just as determined and wanting to work and kind of, it was a good refresh, kind of. And you're right. That's a really great strategy for your mother to help you because it could have been very easy to just listen to that negative advice and your life would have been completely different. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, But working with somebody who... Well, work, well, I had some very good teachers, but working with them privately allows you to focus on improving rather than that everything is wrong and it's banned. So were the ballet competitions quite popular in your area to kind of get up and get out or? (laughs) Not really. I'm not sure how I got into it actually because we don't have any in Belarus. We we would have to travel to Russia or Ukraine or um, I think the internet just started appearing and starting to get that access and seeing the videos of other companies and it's just the desire to see what's more out there. So, I mean, again, it might have been very clever push from my mom, actually, now I think of it. Um, but well, She must have seen something that you needed, you know? Yeah, but uh, I, remember, I remember being one of the very first people in our school to go somewhere outside and do the competitions. Um and it was always the greatest way to improve because the amount of work it required to to go there, it was always a very like very big push. So was the Prix de Lausanne the, the one that you did when you were 15, was that your very first ballet competition or had you done others? I've done others. I've done in Ukraine. I think I got a silver medal there. Um, I, I did a couple in Russia. 
Okay, so you did have a little bit of experience before going to Switzerland? Uh, yes, I mean, they were all, each competition is very different. And uh, Prix de Lausanne was much more, um, well, it was much more international actually compared, because the other ones I did was in Ukraine and Russia, so they're all similar school, similar type of dancers, similar. Whereas going to Prix de Lausanne, it's suddenly the whole world and all the different styles and the contemporary at a much higher level than I've ever seen. So, And you probably, some of the other um, competitors that were there, you've probably now seen them have a career. You know, I would imagine some of the names that you saw then are yeah, absolutely. big yeah. out there now. Yeah, I actually kept a few connections. Yeah, and that's true. That's neat. So, So you did... Not make it, but then you took the class, and then that's when you got your scholarship to English National? Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, okay, so you were 15, and is that when you moved from Russia? Yes, so the next year I went to study to London, and okay. I got there on my first, uh, the first day in school was my 16th birthday. Wow, that's quite a 16th birthday, huh? <laughs> yeah, quite, a, quite a change. So were you in a trainee program or a pre-professional program uh, with English National Ballet when you got there? Well, it's uh, English National Ballet School, so it's a three-year program. Okay. Uh, which I got a diploma at the end and kind of... So then you graduate kind of, it's, it's about the same timing as graduating high school then, huh? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And then... While you were there training with them, was your once you were there and, and experiencing it, did you realize that yes, that's exactly where you hoped to stay, or what was your thought process along that way? Um, it was very different environments to study in, much friendlier, and it took me a while to get used to that you're being pushed much less. Oh, good point. Um, so I started realizing that I have to, that it's my responsibility to where I'm going to get, that rather than the teachers are always going to correct you and make you improve, it was kind of awful. And you have to be more self-motivated, huh? Yeah. And I remember there was a period of time I was kind of very worried that I'm going to get out of shape, and I just remember constantly being like working, working, working all day long. I mean, after I realized that I learned, because you eventually learn your body and you learn things that work for you and they don't, and I eventually learned what I should be doing, but it was kind of a period of time when I felt very lost. Well, it's got to be hard because you're still such a kid, you know? Even though you are doing grown-up things day-to-day, you're still so young to have to understand all those things, you know? Yeah, and I still realized that there's still so much learning. Like, even now in the company, after a while, you still find out new things, you still learn, you still... Right. <laughs> yeah. Never ending. So when you moved to London, did you know English? Uh, we had English lessons in school in Belarus, but... But it's certainly not like the immersion yeah, world. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I, I knew grammar, and I could read in English, but I definitely couldn't speak. Um did you live in dorms then? Uh, yes, the school provided uh, accommodation, which um, yeah it was uh, it was a hostel, but actually very nice one. I had a single room, so it was just 
Okay. Um, but in the school, there was nobody Russian. So did you feel lonely? Um, not necessarily, because there was a few people from all over the world. Okay. And, so, and quite a few people new to English. So it was kind of probably the best way to learn, because we were all sticking together, trying to communicate. <laughs> Struggling. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of charades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And then when you're at a, a program like English National Ballet, do you do summer intensives outside of London, or do you stay in London through the whole summer? Uh, I had to leave during summer because uh, the hostel that I was staying was closed over summers. <laughs> so every time there was holiday, I had to go, which which is when I went home and spent some time with my family. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's probably important too. <laughs> was it hard? I know I'm sure your family was super proud, but was it hard for them to let you go so far away? Uh I'm sure it was, but I have two sisters who older than me, and they also left at about the same age. Oh, goodness, for what? Um, they both ended up going to Israel. There was an exchange program for studies, and they went there. And actually, they both eventually stayed. They went to universities wow. in there, and now they both live in there. Wow. So I wasn't the first one that my parents <laughs> experienced <laughs> leaving. So do your parents get to England very frequently then? Uh, now more than before. I think when I first moved to London, visas were quite hard to get. Um, well, and I didn't have anywhere for them to stay and it would just would get too expensive. But uh, now, kind of, um, they tend to get here once a year, twice a year or we definitely spend some time at least once a year, but it tends to be more than that, usually two, three times a year. So then fast forward to when you graduated from the training program, what what was next? Did they ask you to be an apprentice? Did you feel pretty confident that it was going to happen? Or tell us a little bit about that. Well, while we were in the third year of school as a students, we, were, we started performing with the company a little bit because... Uh, English National Ballet does a lot of performances and a lot of touring, which means they need spare dancers because it's very... Uh, lots of people get injured during the process. It's a very hard schedule. So we they took a few of us on tour, and because people did get injured, we ended up performing with the company. So we actually did quite a lot of shows during that third year of studies. And just meanwhile, I was... Uh, director offered me a contract, which, which was actually very lucky because it meant I didn't have to go to audition and spend lots of money That's traveling true. around the world <laughs> trying to find the job. Did like, you have kind of a backup plan yeah. if it didn't work out? Not really, to be honest. <laughs> That's probably good then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I was quite determined. It sounds to like it. Now, now I think of it, yeah. <laughs> So how many years have you been with English National Ballet now? Uh, it's been six. Okay. Six. Yeah. And then I did see that, um, you'll have to educate me more a little bit about it, but um, with the Emerging Dancer Program, is it that you're nominated or voted, or how does that work? Uh, it's people in the company that are working in the company 
from the dancers to all the administration, they all vote, nominate six dancers, and the six dancers who get the most votes get nominated. And then kind of uh, at, at some point in spring, we do the performance well, with each, each of the nominated dancers preparing one or two pieces, depending on the year, it was different. Um, and then the jury, which already would be professional, kind of um, a certain ballet director okay, or, or teachers okay. or, yeah, from the ballet yeah. world, they kind of choose one winner. And then out of the six, one person gets chosen or how does that work? Uh, yeah, they choose one person for the prize. And then there's also a public vote. Oh, okay. But uh, public vote, it works kind of throughout the season. When public sees people on stage, they vote. So it's very... So that's exciting. So you did... That was a couple years ago, though, right? Uh, yeah. That was... Uh, it's, uh, it's quite an honor to be nominated, actually, because it's, it's nice to know that people within the company value as well. No, it's just you, you want to know that the working environment you're in that they appreciate your you or your dancing. One thing in English National Ballet is because we have so many performances, the plus side is that young dancers get to do principal parts, which is great, except then they don't promote them. It's not very well balanced of in that way. And you guys perform where? Uh, our main program is traveling around uh, UK, and uh, over Christmas we are always in London. And then uh, uh, through certain parts of the year we uh, perform either in London or abroad or maybe some more UK touring. It's kind of different. And then do, do you guys um, kind of take off the some of the weeks in the summer like some of the other companies do? Uh, yes, we have four weeks in summer and two weeks after, like this, the, this performance is now, and after, after Christmas, basically. Now, did I see that you got married recently? Uh, yes, actually. Just Congratulations. Thank you. I know that uh, a lot of people love hearing the, the stories behind the relationships. Is, is he a dancer as well? Uh, he was, um, and we met in the English National Ballet. But uh, actually, she, he very recently, like <laughs> after the wedding, he uh, changed his job and now he's actually working in an art gallery. Oh, wow. Had he, was uh, it because he just, uh, an injury or time or? Uh, well, time and yes, his body was being more and more difficult to deal with. And... Uh, in B schedule, our company schedule, it's very tough on the body. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, kind of more than other companies. So, does it? Do you think it has a, a an impact on the lifespan of how long a dancer is able to keep it up? Uh, quite possibly, or it probably depends on um, the dancer's body because every every dancer is different, and some are a bit more adaptable to different styles and to different ways, schedules. 
So I think for some dancers, it's probably not going to have an effect, but for some it does. So what's he do with the art gallery then? Uh, he's an art consultant. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Now, th- this is something he always wanted to move on to, and he just thought this was the right time now. Is he enjoying it then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it's even longer hours <laughs> than oh. ballet, which he didn't <laughs> expect. <laughs> that is funny. But, um, um, no, he's enjoying it. Yeah, I, I do like to ask some of the questions that help um, aspiring dancers and their family is, you know, what's been, been one piece of advice that you've received that kind of has helped you or has stuck with you? Um, let me translate it to English <laughs> because I remember it in Russian. Um, if, uh, if you don't want something, there's millions of reasons. If you want something, there's millions of opportunities. It, it it reminds me whenever I feel stuck or frustrated or it reminds me to look at the things a bit differently. <laughs> to look for opportunities rather than the reasons why things go wrong. Right, and that's true because you can, you know, that answer will be exactly what you're looking for. You know? Yeah. <laughs> In mm-hmm. the positive or the negative here. If you're mm. looking for problems, you'll find it. If you're looking for opportunities, you'll find it. Exactly. Mm. And then, you know, kind of going back to what we first talked about when um, we first started talking is, you know, what do you think, especially in some of the the um, words that you have from your teachers telling you you might never make it or whatever, but what do you think you had within you that helped you stick with it and propel you to making it in the career path? of ballet um well i think two things one is that i i kind of made a decision to become a ballet dancer i mean very very young i was probably five or whatever but for some reason i just made the decision and i just had to get there like i wouldn't i wouldn't give up until i get there and um second is I've, I dance I love performing and I dance for the audience to inspire them for them to enjoy to make them feel so I never felt like I'm dancing for the teachers or for the ballet staff and somehow whenever I get negative from them I just kind of remind myself that I know that audience enjoys me dancing. I know it might be not perfect or it might not be. There's always room for improvement. But so as long as the audience enjoys, uh, it keeps me going. That's true. That that makes total sense. And I, I could see how many younger you know, kind of when I say younger, I'm saying in the teens, you know, kind of the place that you were before you moved to London, you know, I could see how many kids would get caught up in the room that they're in or the studio that they're training in versus the bigger picture. Don't compete with people who are right next to you. Compete with, um, uh, I don't know how to say it, sorry. Um, Always remember to look at the bigger picture and what do you want to achieve in dancing. 
Like it's so easy to get stuck in this specific room, in this specific with this specific people, with this specific solo or combination or dance move or something. But it's important to zoom out, look at the ballet videos, find the top dancers doing that movement, that solo, that thing, just to and that's what you want to aim for. You don't want to aim just to do it better than the person next to you or um yeah. And I always found it helpful if I really, I, you know, you just can't coordinate certain movement or just doesn't work something, the period. Or watching the video of somebody doing it great, I don't know, I, you know, uh, I don't know, any of the top dancers, you find, okay, this this is how I want this movement to look. Just even watching it and re- visualizing yourself doing it always really helps. That's true. You're right, because I do know that, you know, um, Olympic athletes or, you know, the elite athletes oftentimes spend a great deal of time just sitting still and visualizing, not trying to make it happen. And I think a lot of kids these day and age that are in the, you know, middle school and high school age range wind up, unfortunately, spending more time on wasteful videos or looking at social media of people living their lives that versus actually <laughs> looking at the stuff with a, with a purpose that might actually help them you know <laughs> and i think that's that's good advice to even consider that if you're stuck in trying to learn something or you know, let's say that you were training for the pre de luzon like you did to watch those that had done that variation or a version of that variation before could help you do better yeah exactly because quite often when things don't work technically, it's usually because in our head we have a wrong visual idea of what we are doing. I mean, I, I found that out much later, uh, probably. Uh, but it's um, we have certain ideas like what I should feel or what I should think of, or but sometimes just one little thought can change it to. So, and it suddenly works, and you think you think it's a miracle, but finding those things and it's probably the most important. It's crazy, but it you know it applies in real life. I think about when I first became a mother. I had these visualizations of how it's supposed to feel, and when it doesn't, you're like, oh wait a second! I thought I was supposed to love every minute of this. <laughs> so I think it, it, that thought process or that um, piece of advice can apply to all of us in many ways, you know. That's true. Well, I will let you go. I know you must have had a long day. I'm just going to close with uh, a few final questions that I ask of all of my guests. Uh, The first one is, if you could go back to your 13-year-old self with the wisdom, confidence, and lessons that you've learned along the way, what advice would you give to yourself? I'm trying to think. Just pay a bit more attention to why the teacher was giving you correction. Yeah, rather than like, I thought I was doing that, or like, why? <laughs> there must be a reason why they say that. So. And with that same wisdom, confidence, and lessons learned, what would be your advice to dancers today, or aspiring dancers today? Um, I would actually say, yeah, it's probably good advice. So whenever somebody gives you critique, they have a reason for it. Like whether it is 
overemphasized, underemphasized, but they wouldn't get it out of thin air. Right, that's true. They're not just trying to be mean. <laughs> yeah, there will be, a, even if it's a little part true, there will be something. There is a reason. <laughs> and then finally, what what would be your piece of advice for aspiring dancers um, approaching audition season, which is kind of, we're just on the verge of the audition season for the kids with summer uh, intensives and other programs for year-round programs. What would be one good piece of advice you could give? Uh, I don't know if that's helpful, but I find when people know what they want, they get it. Most of the time, and I find the same thing from my own experience, when I'm not clear on what I want, I don't get it. That makes total sense. (laughs) You know, it's clarifying your goal, right? Yeah, and if you're confused, Take a minute, work it out, make it clear what is it really you want. Is it the city you are living in? Is that the repertoire company is doing? Is that the uh, your progression in the company? Is it the environment? Is it? It's so many little details that might be more important to you than to the other person. That That's well put. Thank you. It's important to work it out. Well, thank you so much and have a great evening. I hope you get some good rest. And thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Bouncing Point Podcast. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to stop by on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays as I've expanded the Ask Megan show. On that show is where uh, New York City principal dancer Megan Fairchild answers listeners' questions. And if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to send in a question either through voicemail or even through email, Uh, Stop by my website at bouncingpoint.com and follow the tab's instructions for a voicemail. Otherwise, you can certainly send me a direct email question at kimberly at bouncingpoint.com. And I'd love to connect with you on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We've got a great private Facebook page that you're welcome to join and interact with other listeners. All of those are at Bouncing Point. And until next time, have a great day.